Tell me more, a deep dive on all the random ideas, concepts, people, places, and things that cross our minds. We are prepared to do all the digging for you on the internet and beyond and present like old school research project style. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Julie. And we will be your fact finders for each episode. So get ready. We're going deep. Like page 12 of the Google search deep. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm Julie and I'm here as always with Chelsea. And today we are doing part two on Stevie Nicks, Lindsay Buckingham, Fleetwood Mac, and the inspiration behind Daisy Jones and the Six. Just like in part one, we're joined by our bestie, Heather. Hi. We're going to get into it. So if you missed part one, You're going to want to go check that out for all of the history behind the book, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, and Lindsay Buckingham. And today we're jumping right in and talking about what songs these volatile exes wrote about each other. Ladies, what happens when two songwriters break up? They write songs about each other. Exactly. (laughs) great music great music happens that's right Taylor Swift was not the first (laughs) no but you know what's funny when we were in part one talking about Stevie's background and that she got a guitar at 16 and she wrote like her first song that that gives very Taylor vibes right yeah yeah Um, even the song the song she wrote which I believe was I've loved and I've lost and I'm sad but I'm not blue the background behind that is that she wrote it because she was like pining after this popular boy in her high school. Isn't Taylor Swift's first song that one, um, Drew, right? Isn't that about um, like her first boyfriend or whatever? Yeah. Maybe. I don't remember, but I do have a funny short little story about Daisy Jones and the Six. So I got my sister-in-law and brother-in-law to read the book too. We're down the shore and my brother-in-law's like playing music and he's like, Alexa, play Honeycomb by Daisy. And I was like, it's, <laughs> it's not, not a real. real song. And he's like, what? And I was like, it's like, you know, it's going to have to be, right? Ooh, They're going to yeah. have to make the actual thing. That's what I was thinking when I was reading it because I knew I was reading it because you do the podcast about book and and shows and movies or whatever. And I was thinking this is probably the only book I've read that I really want to see it as a movie or a show because I want to hear the songs. I want to hear yes. these wonderful, magical songs that they're talking about. And But is there a part of you that's worried that they're going to suck? Oh, I feel yes. like it's not going to be as good as they made yes. it have to be in the book. Because did you read the lyrics at the end? <laughs> yeah, they're they're a little shallow, they're right? Great. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely not Stevie Mm-mm. lyrics. Well, I thought it was hysterical that he thought it was like a real song. And I was like, uh, it's not real. It's a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a book. <laughs> He's really disappointed. But what songs did they really write in real life? Okay, so we've got here, we're going to start with Stevie, song she definitely wrote about Lindsay. And then there's like, I I can't remember if I have one or two that it's like speculated that it's about him. 
So these are songs she has officially said, yes, I wrote this song about Lindsay. Number one, Landslide. Now, Chelsea, you said you're going to listen to the lyrics next time you listen to it, but it says, well, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life around you, but time makes you bolder. Even children get older and I'm getting older too. So as we said in part one, this was actually written before rumors and before their official like final breakup. This was written in that time when she was like working and he was doing drugs and living the life. At that time, there were times when she moved out and tried to leave him, but they kind of like realized that they needed to stay together to make music and afford to live life. Any thoughts on Landslide? I don't like when she sings it. There's so many covers. I like the Smashing Pumpkins cover of it. I do too. I think I like that better than her singing. Uh I do not like the Dixie Chicks one. But now that I know what it's about, I kind of do like it better when she sings it. I don't know. I also really like her singing it and watching Lindsay watch her sing it. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea that Yeah, I like the idea that he was probably like so uncomfortable. Well, we're going to get to that with some of the other lyrics that they had to sing of each other's songs Mm. that were like about them. Okay, so another song that she wrote about him is Dreams. The legend behind Dreams is that she wrote the lyrics to the song in 10 minutes. Hmm. So here is just a couple of lines from it. Now here you go again. You say you want your freedom. Well, who am I to keep you down? And another line from that one is players only love you when they're playing. And TLC song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that song. That's the one I was humming earlier. Yes. I recognized it when you like got high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that one. Okay, another one that's definitely about Lindsay is Silver Springs. She sings in that, so I'll begin not to love you. Turn around, see me running. I'll say I loved you years ago. Tell myself you never loved me. She also says, time cast a spell on you, but you won't forget me. I know I could have loved you, but you would not let me. I'll follow you down till the sound of my voice will haunt you. You'll never get away from the sound of the woman that loved you and that was true 50 years later from when they met they're still singing each other's songs which is just wild another song that's definitely about him she said it's about him is called angel she said i still look up when you walk in the room i have the same wide eyes now they tell the story i try not to reach out for you when you turn around and you say hello. I don't think I know that one. I think that might be from a solo album in the 80s or 90s. It's definitely not like a big hit. Okay, there's speculation that Edge of 17 is about him. Now she said that it's inspired by Tom Petty and his wife, but it's really just the phrase Edge of 17 that comes from them. 
she was so she actually in her solo career went on to tour heavily with Tom Petty they're like besties she's considered an honorary heartbreaker which is the name of his band Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers so um she toured with him and they became great friends but his wife she had asked his wife like when did you meet and she said we met at the age of 17 but she had a super heavy um southern accent and she thought she said the edge of 17 and she was like oh I like that I want to use that and then the parts in the song where they talk about the white wing dove she wrote those about John Lennon because she wrote it like right after he was killed but if you look at the verses she describes her how her and Lindsay met basically at youth group at youth group well just like in a hall singing like in a hallway whatever all right next up we're gonna talk about songs that Lindsay wrote about stevie so the first song that i want to talk about that Lindsay definitely wrote about stevie is probably my favorite fleetwood mac song and it's go your own way i was gonna mm. guess it i oh. wasn't gonna guess right <laughs> what were you gonna guess now i want to know rihanna no that's about a Welsh witch. Lindsay did not write that. <laughs> All right. It was about a wild woman. I took a, I took a guess. <laughs> All right. So go your own way has a phrase that says, or a line, packing up, shacking up is all you want to do. And oh, the drama behind this line. So in an interview... Stevie said that she knew the line was about her. It made her so mad. And that even for years afterwards, when they would play it live, she wanted to go over and strangle him. Say it again. Packing up, shacking up is all you want to do. What part of the song is that in? It's in one of the verses. And then part of the chorus, he says, if I could, baby, I'd give you my world. How can I when you won't take it from me? So he's real whiny it's not my fault in this song but it's such a good song he wrote another song about stevie called what makes you think you're the one in that direction (laughs) yeah in that one he says what makes you think i'm the one who will love you forever everything you do has been done and it won't last forever not nice he wrote another song called say goodbye he says in that thinking on the days of old and the price that we paid For a love we couldn't hold, I let you slip away. Once you say goodbye to me, yeah, now I say goodbye to you. So does he want her or not want her? He sounds like like he's been hurt, so he's going to try to hurt her back. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to... Okay, so Lindsay Buckingham's a dick. He's a violent uh, drug addict. He's a narcissist for 100% sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Stevie did do something really bad to him that we'll talk about. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I agree, Heather. It sounds like he's like all lovey-dovey, but then when he doesn't get what he wants in return, he's like, well, now I'm going to write songs that I'm a jerk in and I don't love you. <laughs> yeah, none of them make him come off good. Yeah. All right, so these are songs that there's speculation that they're about Stevie, but he's never actually admitted it. So never going back again. This is, um, he says, she broke down and let me in, made me see where I've been, been down one time, been down two times. I'm never going back again. So I think that's 
people speculate that that's about how they broke up quite a few times mm-hmm. while they were trying to make it. And that's him saying he's never going back again. Go Insane is another song that some say is about Stevie. And I believe even Lindsay said it is, but his ex-girlfriend, Carol Ann Harris, claimed in her super messy memoir that I didn't read yet, but I definitely <laughs> will. Uh, she claims it's about her. Of course she does. So we're going to talk about something that Heather brought up in part one when she said that Silver Springs was on Rumors. Go Your Own Way was a huge single on Rumors. It was obviously Lindsay's big breakup song. And Stevie also had a pretty big breakup song on the album too, In Dreams. However, she had also written the banger, Silver Springs. She knew it was good. She knew it was so good that she actually signed the rights to the song over to her mother in anticipation that it would be this huge hit and that her mother would then get all of the benefits of the song, right? All the royalties and stuff? Yeah, all the royalties, exactly. Well, she was right. It's my favorite. She was right. I don't it was a bang. How does that one go? Sing it. Like, I'm going to sing it. We actually, we actually can't sing too much of it because. Of- uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the line? Um, time yeah, has to spell on you, but you won't. All right, Heather, I'm going to stop you. You don't have to keep singing it because we're going to watch it in a minute. <laughs> but you loved it though, right? Definitely loved it. I still don't know what the song is. (laughs) You will in a minute. Okay. So the band thought there were too many slow songs on the album. Oh, just like uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, that's a whole thing in that too, right? Sure is. So Silver Springs did not make the cut for rumors and Stevie was crushed. Then she was pissed when they decided to release it as the B-side on the Go Your Own Way single. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Back in the face. So remember back in the day, the album would come out and they'd release singles and the single would be one song on one side and then you flip your tape, except back then it wouldn't have even been tapes, right? But you flip whatever it is you're listening to it on. (laughs) And then the B-side is on the other side. So... Typically, the B-side was like a bonus track, but it wasn't actually on the album. So could you imagine your, like, revenge, I hate you, breakup masterpiece being put as the B-side on your ex's revenge, I hate you, breakup masterpiece? Yeah, it's like she, like, lost that one. What do you think, Heather? Well, I feel like now, if it happened now, that would be such good press yes the album but back then it was like buried like the song was buried well and do you think that this was it seems like they were playing up the breakup from the get-go right so like it would have been like listen Great to this marketing and then listen to this song yeah and then and listen to her yell song. at him yes exactly yeah all right so we're gonna pause And we're going to watch Silver Springs together. Again, this is going to be linked in the show notes. I'm going to put either like a little sound in here or if I can put the song in through Spotify, I'm going to. Either way, hit pause, 
we're watching the video. This is the video of Silver Springs performed at the dance. And if you were to continue reading the article that we referenced in part one by, what's her name, Taylor Jenkins Reed? Yeah. You would, she then starts talking about the Silver Springs performance at the dance and how uh, Stevie starts like, she just like totally turns her body to Lindsay and is like screaming at him basically. So we're gonna watch that. (laughs) Okay, so we just watched the performance of Silver Springs from the dance. Who would like to share their thoughts first? Well, first I got really into it because it's my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. And then you mentioned I should be paying attention to what's happening on stage. (laughs) (laughs) And it got super intense at the end. Yeah. Like, and I was thinking though, is she looking at him to remind herself to get intense or did she get intense and start looking at him? Oh, I think it's all showmanship because they were looking at each other. The first thing then. Yeah. I think it's like part of what they do on stage and they know people will eat it up because people know that she wrote the song about him. Like he's playing and singing on the song too. Well, that's what I was going to point out is like, I feel like if you could have any like ultimate revenge on an ex that you hate, but also like have to work with all the time, wouldn't it be to make them sing the words that they're going to hear the voice of the woman who loved them for the rest of their life. Because, like, you maybe, if you're hearing the song, you might not realize that he's singing those words, too. Like, his voice, it's all three of them, right? We're yeah. singing that part of the chorus. Yeah. Like that, I think that's the most wild part to me, is, like, she's singing it, that this is what's going to happen. Not every band is still playing together 40 years later. Yeah. Like she predicted this, that he'd be singing <laughs> these words 40 years later. Just wild. And I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like, okay, like sh- he sings her songs that she wrote about, you know, them and, or, and him. And then he is writing these songs and she has to sing them and play mm-hmm. them about her, you know, so it goes back and forth. It's, so I feel yeah. like it's almost like that's like part of their process, right? Like that's how mm-hmm. they create music and they kind of it's do you think it's like an understanding of like I think so here's what I think I think that it seems like they're almost intentionally torturing themselves by being together and being in the same band and constantly being in the same proximity of each other to continually like open the old wounds in the understanding and knowing that that's going to produce the best art yeah like they know it's good yeah so, like that's what they yeah, have to do works, so let's but also it. how dysfunctional is that like you're punishing oh, yeah. yourself for like 40 freaking years but they're also I mean we're it's months, more than right? 40 it's like 47 years now right since what how long ago did rumors come out you said it in 77 45 years ago, is that right? Yeah. yeah but this or am I off by a decade? That was in 97. Mm-hmm. So that was what, 20 years after that 
rumors yeah. out, came out they did that wild yeah all right so who else have they dated Lindsay and stevie officially only dated from 1971 to 76 though like we talked about in part one it's far more likely that they actually started dating in 1968 though it was maybe not exclusive casual they had to keep it a secret because no one in the band was allowed to touch stevie anyway we're gonna start with Lindsay's dating history because it's a bit less sloppy <laughs> from 1977 to 1983 he dated carol ann harris who i already mentioned she was a model and this was definitely a rocky relationship in her memoir that came out in 2009 she accused him of both verbal and physical abuse plus lots of cocaine use this is just so random. You know how like you can Google like everyone someone's dated and they give you like rankers and stuff like that. So on every page for Lindsay Buckingham, Anne Heche is listed, but they don't give like a year or how long she, they dated. But like, yes, Anne Heche, who was with Ellen. Before oh, Portia. Before, yeah, pre-Portia, Ellen. All right. And then the next one is Kristen Messner who he's been with since 1997. They have three kids together. They were married for 21 years. Just last year in 2021, she filed for divorce. You ready for Stevie's dating history? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first thing you're going to notice is that there's a lot of years that overlap each other. Stevie began dating Don Henley in oh. 1976, and she dated him until 1978. Don Henley is of the Eagles, mm-hmm. you know, like Hotel California Eagles, not E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> they began dating when Fleetwood Mac was the opening band for the Eagles tour. At one point during their relationship, she became pregnant, but opted to have an abortion. She thought that her career would end if she had a baby. Daisy Jones and the Sex. Different, mm-hmm. but the same. Yeah. She later wrote a song called Sarah, which is the name she'd planned to give her unborn child. And in 1981, they did a banger together. <laughs> Stevie just loves writing songs with people that she's broken up with. You guys know Leather and Lace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's her and Don Henley. From 1977, remember she dated Don Henley from 1976 to 78. So from 1977 to 1978, she had an affair with, any guesses before I say it? How could I guess this? Mick Fleetwood. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that might be confusing because it completely overlaps with Don Henley. But hey, they were on tour. What are you going to do? Technically, he was also still married to Jenny for the second time. And this one burnt a lot of bridges, but most affairs too, right? (laughs) All right, next up, she dated Jimmy Iovine from 1980 to 1983. Keep those dates in mind. They began dating while they were both working on her debut solo album called Belladonna. He was her record producer, and even though their romantic relationship ended, they continued to work together on her solo career. She just loves keeping the exes around. 1982. She did not break up with Jimmy Iovine until 1983. So 1982 to 1984. Oh, look, more overlap. 
So her bestie died, sadly, of leukemia just after giving birth to her son. So Stevie thought it made the most sense to marry her husband. The faces, that's enough. Yeah, so she married the husband. She thought that this was a good idea. They were not married very long. They realized that having a romantic relationship was a mistake and they were just turning to each other out of grief. But apparently she did stay very involved in the son's life. Maybe the overlaps are like December to January, you know? Like, Yeah. (laughs) We would know the last one went 82 to 84 and 83 or- or 80 to 83. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it was, it's too much. I was just trying to give her some, maybe some credit. So this Kim Anderson is the only person she's ever married. And I believe they were only married for five months. So in one of the um, interviews I read, and I didn't write this down, so I could mess up some of the details. She said that every night she would go into the baby's room and um, his cradle would be rocking. And then one day she went in and it wasn't. And that's when she knew that she'd made a mistake. And she had thought the person rocking the cradle was like her best friend's spirit. What? That's creepy. (laughs) Not sweet. Okay. Bit of a leap. Okay, next one. Also overlap. 1983 to 86. Joe Walsh. And yeah, she This overlap. That's like three people. If, no. But if she was only with him to take care of the son but they got married and they had a romantic relationship Mm, well all right (laughs) okay (laughs) so joe walsh here's some more overlap is also a member of the eagles oh huh don didn't mind i guess not i mean this was a while after they broke up right they broke five years stevie has called in an interview joe her great great love However, they broke up because they were both so addicted to cocaine that they feared that one of them was going to die if they did not separate. Do you guys know any of the coke rumors about Fleetwood Mac? I don't have this on the outline to talk about. No. So there is a rumor, pun intended, that they did the math at one point and figured out that Mick Fleetwood had done seven miles worth of coke. What? And that they had spent $8 million on Coke. Wow. And then there's also a rumor, and I do think this one's just a rumor, that at a certain point, Stevie could not get high anymore from snorting it. So she had an assistant who would put it up her butt. Ew. Ew, Julie. (laughs) Sorry. I read it. I read it. She did say in an interview that she has a dime-sized hole in her septum from cocaine which like burnt a hole through her nose yeah and one of the other rumors was that she was told at one point that if she did like one more line of coke she was gonna die and they asked her about that in the billboard article and i'll link that and she said that like based yeah pretty much like that's what sent her to rehab was that they said like one more could do it like she'd have a heart attack and die so they were doing a lot of coke hmm with her comment about the guy from the Eagles being her like greatest, greatest love, I'm sorry, but I'm assuming Lindsay Buckingham is her greatest love. Like, yeah. I feel like you don't write that many songs and put yourself through that over and over and over again if it's not 
Yeah. And I mean, I'd have to look at the date that she did that interview because a lot of stories change over time based on like, you know, when he was happily married, there were like a lot of quotes that were like, oh, I love seeing him happy with his wife and his kids. But like, so it depends on if that was said during that time when he was happily married and making babies, she might have been trying to like revise it in her brain. Yeah. So another article said that she considers the three big loves of her life, Lindsay, Don, and Joe. Okay. Next topic. Do we think they were still in love when they performed the dance in 1997? I'm going to open it up. So what's the, in 97, are they, he's married, right? In 97? Well, not quite yet. His first child was born in 98. So he had to at least be dating her. He didn't marry Kristen until 2000. And then she filed for divorce in 2021. Okay. So how long had it been since they performed together? At At the dance? The last time they performed together was in 93 when Clinton was running for president. They got together and did like, don't stop believe. Not don't stop believing. <laughs> don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. But but like toward. Yeah, I don't I think this was like I think that after they did a couple shows for Clinton, the dance was so it was released in 97. So the tour would have happened probably like the year before, maybe, right? So your question is, do we think they're in love during 97? I, I wonder if it's just like old thoughts but not so much like that intense feeling but like remembering those intense feelings right so almost like new feelings yeah so here's a thought about that too they had ended pretty badly in 87 when we talked about like that actual physical altercation Mm -hmm. like if everyone's back together and happy and you're like in a good place in your personal life because I think they might have all been clean by then too Mm -hmm. and the tour goes really well like I kind of feel like it might have been real but I have some quotes about it So they have admitted in interviews that they do play up the drama for performances. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they ever really got over each other. Lindsay said this in one interview. That was part of the deal with Stevie and May was that we had to spend an awful lot of time together without ever having gotten closure from each other. Most people, when they break up, they don't see each other for a long time or maybe ever again. But you're not constantly having to not only see somebody, but in my case, make the choice to do right for someone when it didn't always feel like I wanted to. Now, here is something that Stevie said. So in another interview that I read, She said that the moment she finally knew it was over between her and Lindsay was when he became a father. So he became a father in 98. This would have been like a year to two years before that. Well, her comment just totally threw off my whole thinking. (laughs) Like she thought she still had a chance until they started having babies with someone else. Yeah. And the the dance was in 97. So Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's all like performance. All performance? Yeah, I think it's Even though she said she wasn't over him? 
Yeah, because is that reciprocal? And he said he never got closure. I don't know. He's saying he never got closure. But if they're on tour doing these songs like every single night, and then you know what I mean? Like I feel like you can't have that same emotional exchange every single night doing these songs. You know what I mean? If it was like if the dance a one time thing, and you know they had just done this one time and they hadn't played and you know even why are like you ruining this for everybody what why are you ruining this for everybody because everyone ruins bradley cooper and lady gaga <laughs> so <laughs> like if it like i said if it was a one-time deal i could see that right but it's they just finished tour and then they do this it's like i don't know that's different so do you guys want to know what went down in 2018 yeah. yes in 2018, Lindsay Buckingham was officially kicked out of Fleetwood Mac because up in that point, up until that point, there had been people would come and go, but they were like always welcome back. You know what I mean? Like I said, there was a point where Christine retired for like 12 years. There was a point where Lindsay left, but then he came back in the 90s. But in 2018, he was kicked out. The official announcement stated that it was due to a disagreement over the upcoming tour. But of course, these two got messy in interviews. (laughs) He publicly stated that his manager told him that Stevie said she never wanted to be on stage with him again. He ended up filing a lawsuit against the band for seven, it was seven different counts. Two I wrote down breach of fiduciary duty and breach of oral contract. There was more, it was all about money, basically. Stevie said that Lindsay's version of events are revisionist history. So in September of 2021, so this is three years after he's kicked out of the band, Stevie told Rolling Stone magazine, his version of events are factually inaccurate. And while I've never spoken publicly on the matter, preferring not to air dirty laundry, but I'm about to, to, and I have been for 30 years, 40 years. Certainly it feels the time has come to shine a light on the truth. Following an exceedingly difficult time with Lindsay at Music Cares in New York in 2018, I decided for myself that I was no longer willing to work with him. I could publicly reflect on the many reasons why, and perhaps I will do that someday in a memoir and in that but suffice it to say we could start in 1968 and work up to 2018 with a litany of very precise reasons why I will not work with him wow okay so basically if I'm reading this correctly she said I will not perform with Lindsay anymore basically like it's me or him to the band and the band picked her And then from my research, again, none of this is confirmed. It seems that the main beef that they were having was that Stevie felt that Lindsay smirked too much while she was giving a speech at the Music Cares event in New York, and that they argued over what music they'd be introduced to on tour. The choice was an instrumental portion of Rhiannon, and he did not agree with that selection. And she just like had it and was like, done. So after more than 50 years together at this point, 
that was her final straw. <laughs> they had been performing together since 68, 50 years. Wow. So, of course, I wanted to know who she was shading there with the third wives under 30. So of the three men we've talked about that she most notably dated, none of them were on their third wife in 2014. And none of their wives were under 30. Don Henley was married to his first wife, who was close to his age, at least in her 50s in 2014. Joe Walsh was married to his fifth wife, (laughs) who was also close to his own age and at least in her 50s. And Lindsay was married to his first wife, who was 42. In my opinion, I think she was making exaggerations about Lindsay. So it seems like it's most likely this is what she was referencing. His wife, Kristen, like I said, was 42. And though never officially married in interviews, both her and Lindsay have said that they felt like they were married or practically married. And he did have that long-term relationship with Carol Ann that lasted multiple years. So it's my guess that she was just exaggerating about how young Lindsay's wife was. Well, what I was going to say is also in 2014, Mick Fleetwood was on his third wife. If I've done my math correctly, it's impossible that she was actually under 30. They met and began dating in 1993. So for her to be under 30 in 2014, she'd have had to be like 19 when they met. And I just don't think that's super likely. So it could have also been shading Mick and exaggerating about how young his wife was. So who wants to know the state of their current relationship? Well, clearly they hate each other. Well, I don't know. That other quote was from 2021. Chelsea, a lot can change in one year. It hasn't. It's a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2019, Lindsay underwent emergency open heart surgery at which time his wife took to the internet to blast Fleetwood Mac for not privately reaching out to him and his family. They did release a public statement, though. Then, in 2021, Lindsay's wife and mother of his three children filed for divorce after 21 years of marriage and more than 23 years together. Stevie's never been seriously married. We know that she had that, like, five-month marriage with her friend's husband. And she's not been publicly linked to anyone in a relationship since the 80s but her most recent instagram post seems to shade Lindsay by referencing that her tour successfully concluded without any instances of covid all while Lindsay's most recent ig post addressed his canceled tour dates due to contracting covid on june 27th Stevie posted this. I got home from tour late Wednesday night, exhausted. It was great to be back in my world doing what I love for the first time in three years. And all caps on the end, I did not get COVID exclamation point. We definitely proved that it can be done if you follow the rules. Meanwhile, on Lindsay's Instagram on May 12th, his team posted for him. It is with great sadness that we are announcing the postponement of Lindsay's European tour, which has been due to begin next week. Along with other members of his band and crew, Lindsay contracted COVID-19. So just a quick reminder that these bitter SXs are 72 and 73. Oh 
my gosh. And they're still shading each other on the internet. Well, that's what I was going to say. Wait. I'm like, she's like seven, 74 years old Didn't now. she come out a while ago saying that she hates cell phones? She doesn't use cell phones. She hates technology. How is she on Instagram? Well, neither of them are on their actual Instagram. If you look at the post from June 27th, it's like, is it a handwritten note that it's a picture of, I think? Hold on. Or it's, def- it's definitely not like an Instagram post. And Lindsay's is very obviously run by his team. Oh, so like other people do it. Right. But those were her words. It was a note from Stevie where she says that a tour can be done. Oh, so she's like, following the rules. Yeah, it's like a Microsoft Word document. Got it. Okay, got it. (laughs) It's like a picture of a Microsoft Word document. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, I think it's probably her word. She wouldn't let them post it with her name signed to it. And she is absolutely shading him by saying that it proved that it can be done if you follow the rules. Yeah, now they're just like enemies so let's bring it all back around to daisy jones and the six so we've established that taylor jenkins reed did not base the actual characters of daisy and billy on stevie and Lindsay, which is what i was expecting when i read the book i thought they were going to be like exactly those people i thought i said they were loosely based on yeah i think you said loosely (laughs) but um but it's more of the like on stage tension and chemistry that inspired the characters well and drugs and seven days well that's what i was gonna say what else do you guys see as similarities or inspiration heather you've pointed out a ton of stuff as we've gone along like the different songs that are similar well yeah because I don't know. That's what I paid attention to, I guess. Like, it, it, they, all the songs have the same kind of, like, ideas behind them. Hate and yeah, torture and what you can't have, but what you want. Like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it definitely seemed to me that, like, Daisy's whole persona was very clearly Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I think you pointed it out already, that Karen is very clearly Christine. Right. Well, I didn't realize that until this, but yeah. I thought that just like the, how toxic their relationship was, Mm -hmm. um, Stevie and Lindsay's was very similar to how, um, even though they weren't like officially in a relationship, I think they were, you know, they were always in the book, Billy and Daisy were always kind of like going at it, you know? Yeah, and something that's a bone of contention, according to Mick Fleetwood's 1990 memoir, is that Lindsay was pissed because Stevie could write lyrics and, like, roughly write, like, guitar and, like, piano, but he would kind of have to, like, fix all her songs, Mm. right? So, like, every song that she wrote he had to like add to and make it better and that's kind of what that one quote that he gave about how he he had to like do things for her even if he didn't feel like it because it was for the best of like the band but I feel like that whole like songwriting together relationship between them was really similar to Billy and Daisy yeah because couldn't Daisy not play right not write music or read music or something like that yeah like she wasn't a musician she was more like a singer right 
Well, yeah. and not even that. She was just a natural talent in the book. Like, she yeah. never had any training, didn't know what to do. Like her yeah. friend, whoever her friend was, I forget her name now. Um, Simone, like taught her how to like hone in on that talent kind of stuff. Yeah, so it sounds like how they crafted songs is similar too. All right, guys, so that is Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, and the inspiration behind Daisy Jones and the Six. What do you guys think? Wow, Julie, wow. <laughs> so much research. <laughs> I'm really impressed. Julie, if anyone ever tells you in Atlantic City Casino that you don't do enough research, I'm going to tackle them to the ground. <laughs> I wonder who that could have been that said that. I don't know her. Well, that's it for this episode. Do you have something you want us to do a deep dive on? Send us an email with a topic to thebasicmomsmedia at gmail.com. And be sure to come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram at the.basic.moms. If you want to dive deeper into any of the topics we present here on Tell Me More, join our Facebook group, Mom Chat by The Basic Moms. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast and subscribe so you know when each episode is released.